0: Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring.
1: And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. You join us right in the middle of party conference season and and some say there is no party like a Portsmouth Independence Party. So joining us today in the first of our ward reports are the uh, the, the gang of three from Paulsgrove uh, welcome gentlemen
2: thank you very much hello Ian hello Simon hi thanks for coming back you're welcome you're welcome always happy to be here
1: no Barbara so I think it's Chris's first time on the podcast so uh, well, well welcome Chris so um yeah old hands thank you. so um take it easy on me yeah if we could just ask you to introduce yourself starting with george
2: hello i'm councillor george magic at the paul's grove ward and leader of the independence party hello i'm councillor chris dyke for paul's Grove Award. Brian. i'm brian madgwick
3: i am councillor at paul's grove also
4: so thank
1: you all for joining us um we've got a range of questions some sent in by our listeners and viewers so without further ado george if i can ask you first uh just give us an overview of of what does a day in the life of a ward councillor for Paul's Grove look like?
2: Um, it's quite versatile, to be honest. It can it can range and be different. I know we're kind of getting into the topic later in relation to the kind of demographics of Paul's Grove, but um, that kind of really leads down to the, the differencing of days you can you can do. And I think that people got to realise that when you're a councillor for a ward, you're not just councillor for a ward, you also have roles that kind of encompass the entire city. Um, So, for example, I'm on licensing, um, where I deal with licensing reviews for taxi drivers, um, venues across the whole city. um, And, you know, you kind of do different bits. Um, So I think it's I I mean, personally, I find it interesting. No two days are usually the same. Um, You know, for example, yesterday I was in a resources meeting talking about uh, community funerals. Um, and how they work and then an hour later you're in a meeting with the chief executive office new officer the the one that's just started um talking about her vision and her plan for the city um and then you kind of then you're moving on to resident work so everything kind of changes um the only kind of thing that we have consistently is we do a resident surgery every every wednesday that's pretty much the only thing that that happens same but then then again when you do the resident surgeries you're you're getting different questions different problems and and things like that which keep you on your toes so it's always always quite interesting
4: chris from from your perspective yeah i mean obviously i have to i work full-time as well so sometimes i can't give over the time that i want to um but obviously, I've been with George for a while and seen how much effort and how much time he puts in. I wish I could do that at the moment, but I can't. Um, Wednesdays for the uh, advice surgeries are probably my favourite days. Um, that's when I get to meet the people of Paul's Grove. Um, I'm also on the board for children, family, and education, which I hold close to myself. So, yeah, it's it's been an eye-opener, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll definitely explore some more of that later. Um, so, Brian, anything else you'd like to add there?
3: Um, no, I'm practically the same as the other two. I'm um, the scrutiny panel for children and young people. I'm also opposition spokesman for transport and I'm uh, opposition spokesman for health and wellbeing. Um, so they all take priority in that we have to attend those meetings. I also try to do all five. We do four surgeries at the Portsmouth um, in Paulsgrove itself, but we do one once a month on Saturday uh, for those who can't get injured and so maybe working a site. So we do one once a month on a Saturday at Cosham uh, Community Centre. And I like Chris, I love to them. We work well together on them,
2: don't we, Chris? Love to do them. Sorry? Paulsgrove Community Centre. You mean Paulsgrove Community Centre? Yeah,
3: sorry, Paulsgrove Community Centre. Yeah, well, yeah, I could do a costume as well. An <laughs> you want so
1: Marston sure. um, <laughs> <laughs> Road
3: Community Centre. Uh,
1: absolutely. Well, now, is that, but so, yeah, um, so. Marvelous! But well, it's always good to see you. You. you.
3: Yeah.
1: Brilliant. So you all sound very busy, um, and we'll explore a few of those topics in
0: more detail later. Simon. So, uh, so Chris, as the as the newbie, has the as as the as the role as a councillor been what you've expected?
4: Uh, way more than I expected. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I had some idea. Um, I've known George all the while; he's been a councillor, um, and he disappears for meetings all the time, and <laughs> but never realized how much it actually involved. Um, not a bad thing. I enjoy every single minute of it. Um, I'd love to be a full-time counselor, but unfortunately, you know, rent to pay bills to pay. Um, it, it's something that at the beginning of campaigning like last year, I uh, tried for Charles Dickens and failed spectacularly. Um, and at the beginning of campaigning for this one I I was in two minds, but after about two weeks of campaigning speaking to the people of Grove, then there was no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And I love every minute of it.
0: Um, fantastic. And um and and George, do you find it easier now that there's three of you in the ward?
2: Dramatically easier, and I think that's I think that's just natural. We we kind of say me obviously my dad's needless to say we me and my dad have known each other for a long time. But obviously me and Chris have known each other for seven eight years now as well. Um, so it's good to have a, a a group of people that you know well and you can trust, um, and who are competent at certain things. You know, in, in certain different roles. So what we now got the ability to do is use each other's strengths um, where needed. And That's really good. And we can kind of divide the work up because obviously each of us have different strengths, different backgrounds, different experiences in life, which kind of benefit towards the role. I mean, if you want to uh, obviously Chris in relation to how that's impacted, I mean, Chris grew up in social housing. Um, You know, he was a single father of one, Um, you know, looked after his, his boy who went into the army and stuff. And. Chris's knowledge of that is 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 brilliant. So we've got people coming into the offices and experiencing like social housing issues. And Chris knows the answer straight away, whereas I would have to obviously go away and find the answer and come back. Chris knows the answer knows the people to speak to. But so yeah we're using our experiences and knowledge of the system I say my, my father councillor brian magic used to work as a carer for example that's you know so if people need kind of disability support or help he knows a lot about that so so we use our strengths really wisely and that's where it's helped that's where it's helped it's made everything a lot easier um a lot more manageable we can answer residents sometimes same day and resolve problems straight away so it's become A lot easier and I see we can do more surgeries now because there's three of us you know if one can't turn up the other one can so it's it's always yeah it's 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 always good
1: brilliant you touched on it in your answer there George but obviously with Paul's Grove and Port Solent um, you know from those outside of the ward it looks like a very classic wealth divide do do the two communities bring you different problems or are there similarities in in some of the issues that they bring
2: no I mean no, there's no similarities whatsoever. Um, you know, whereas in Paulsgrove, you know, you'll have eight people living in a two-bedroom flat that's overcrowded um, with noise going on at nights and so on and so forth. You know, in Port Solent, their issues are speeding um, and road bumps and, you know, the Port Solent Marina, um, people coming out late at night. The, the issues are completely different. I mean, they're, they're both important to the, to the individual, but the we've never had a social housing issue in port so let's put it that way um you know so so they're completely different wards they're completely different issues i mean a lot of the issues in Paul's grove as well will be um trees um overgrown hedges um you know things like that whereas once again in port so they have their own gardeners so the the trees are always felled the bushes are always tidy you know so the, so the issues are completely different um and i think it's important to to remember that no Two issue is the same and no two issue is more important or less important because if it's important to the person the resident it's important to us but it is different completely and utterly different i mean Ironically, although I live in Port Solent now, um, only forty people in Port Solent voted for me when I won, which I always find really funny. Um, whereas Brian was the first well, Brian actually was the first councillor in in Port Solent's voting history since the day Port Solent ever existed to beat Tories. Um it's it's and you'll probably know that the Conservatives are the only party that returned a hundred percent of all votes cast in Port Solent at one election, which is an incredible stat to have. Um saying and and no one voted for me really i had about 40 votes um whereas brian managed to to kind of get the majority of the votes the first time ever which was really good and brian focuses on port solent a lot to be fair um Mm. so maybe he wants to answer this question as well
1: yeah so uh, brian if i can throw to you how, how do you see the differences between the two communities and and you obviously have made a connection with the people of port
3: solent i'll explain just the reason why i concentrate more on Port Solent um, and that's simply because of spinal injuries I can't go up and down the hills so well uh, going to the north of etc so Port Solent's flat I also uh, look after Southampton Road etc because there is quite a few issues going on there Um, but the difference the differences are the same in a way because we had a massive problem at Port Solent when I first come in to being a councillor with the travellers. Um, but George had already been working on it. When I came in, we got a majority vote then, and we got it sorted. So we've had no travellers there at all. Um, and we've also had the same travelling problem, travellers problem, in Pawsgrove, which I'll explain later in the debate. Um, but the speeding in Port Solent, we have, of of stay uh stop their cars and people say oh just because it flashes up um just because it flashes up there uh that 30 miles or 40 miles or whatever may be people won't do it well they do slow down because i stood there and watched them so it is it has been effective there so um but generally speaking we can handle all those problems whether they're paul's grover where they're port solent and we're doing I think very well, and the response from the people, obviously, with Chris winning the votes in that last year, that people do appreciate what the independents are doing for them. We, we don't have an argument between the three of us, as
1: So, uh, Chris, if I sorry, could... yeah, not yet. We'll see if we can. We'll see if we can start one, Brian. So, so Chris, if um, final word to you on this one. So how do you see the two communities?
4: Um, extre- extremely different. I mean, Port um, Solent isn't. The kind of place that i've ever grown up in um that doesn't mean they don't have their issues uh, but as far as Paulsgrove is concerned that's that's the kind of area that i grew up in um i don't ever remember i don't know if ever, the other two councils have i don't ever remember anyone from port solent coming to one of our advice surgeries um they tend to directly contact us or um they throw you know they have a, they have port solent resident meetings that we've all attended so yeah the, the, the divide is there um it would be lying to say it wasn't but you know like george said we each have our strengths on in different areas and my strength is the housing and benefits and stuff like that and you just don't get problems like that in port solan
0: no no brilliant thank you chris diamond okay so um so the whole t- the whole of the pit uh, team are, are very active on on social media that's that's um, that's clear clear and obvious um so sharing all of the work that they're doing uh, for their wards and their residents do you feel that you're setting the bar unrealistically high for for ward candidates who you can't commit to 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 actually giving all of the all of their day their day to it, do you think that's a um, a struggle?
2: Well, um, maybe they're not giving all their day to it. I mean, the the, the problem is here is that, that social media is a powerful source, and and the issue that you have is that if you don't share what you're doing as a councillor, people assume that you're doing nothing. Um, and I think that is that is um, a really crucial point. You've got councillors on this council. Um, and I'm not going to single anybody out but you've got councillors, councillors that work day in, day out, constantly every minute of every day doing things but don't ever post about it, talk about it put it on flyers and no one knows, and they think they're lazy and they're not but then on the polar opposite of that you've got councillors that pretty much do nothing and post about it twice a week to make it look like they're doing lots of stuff so the perception is, oh they're so busy and so active and they're so good, they're not they don't do anything You know. so I think that you've you've got to find this balance and I think social media is a really important part of that because it gives us the ability to directly inform people of what we're getting up to, what we're doing, um, how it's going and what you'll see with our social media is often or not we'll ask residents what they want from us or what they want us to do or how they want us to act and I think that's important as well. At the end of the day we need to remember as councillors that we're elected by the residents to act on behalf of the residents. We're not officers, we don't and I had to remind an officer in council this the other day, I had an officer that wasn't happy with something I said. And I said to him, I said, at the end of the day, you've got to understand I don't work for the council, I don't work for your department, I work for the residents. So I'm here on behalf of the residents. And I think that it's very important to update the residents and get their opinions on things. And social media is quite simply the easiest way to do that. The bar needs to be raised high because we have a duty. And and I mean, we are active depends on whether it's Hillsy councillors, you know, councillor Russell Simpson, councillor Amy Shrubwick or councillor Raymond Dent or us three, we are very active on social media, we are, but it's a great way of reaching people and talking to people um, and I think more people should use it.
4: And I'd just like to say, I mean, uh, as we are individuals as well, but because we do work as a team, people like myself and Brian, who are not good on social media, not good with computers and all the rest of it, so we rely on each other. So one of George's strengths is social media and computers and all the rest of it. So this is where we work as a team, as well as individuals.
3: Cool. Thank, uh, thanks, Chris. Just, just the one quick thing. Can I just mention that I've been accused various times of we are a party now, so we're not really independents, right? Because we're working as a party. Uh, George and Chris and and the other three can back this up totally, and the, the honest councillors out there will also back it up. I've voted for something Labour wanted when George and Chris haven't. I've voted for something Conservative wanted when George. We are totally independent when we go into council. Yes, we work together, and that's great. That's what it should be, and that's what Tories and Liberals and Labour and we should all work together for the benefit of of the the, the communities. But we are still independent where it comes to the voting. No,
0: that, that's that, that's great. You you've almost preempted the next the right. next question. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that was, lo-
3: what, what question was that uh, on no,
2: I, I, I love
1: it when our uh, when our guests set the questions up for me. So, so uh, yeah. So Pip, now hmm. number six on the council, and obviously uh, um, you've been growing every year. So, how do you operate, um, and and is that different to the the three national parties that are on the council so I'll throw that to you we, we, George. I, knew, I knew this we, we know I, Brian's answer well, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: we know Brian's answer Um, yeah no I mean I, I think you've got to remember it's completely different I mean you the national parties have to answer to the national policy the national framework to the most extent um, and they have a national skew and that's natural I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing but that is the reality of it we don't have that Um, And we get the ability to work on local projects without any national influence. I think that is the fundamental difference. And also we don't have a whip now, sometimes in council, the other parties will give a free vote and allow councillors to vote how they want. But for example on certain topics that are more contentious, they they have a whip and the leaders of the parties, i.e. Steve, Simon and Charlotte will say, you know, this is how we're voting and even if you disagree with it, you have to vote that way because that's the party whip. Uh, And you see many, 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 many examples of that. And I say a a famous one that I always bring up is is improving the roads in the north of Portsmouth, um, where Councillor Fazakali wanted to vote to approve the motion um, and was told to sit down. by councillor Vernon Jackson um, and, and not support that motion through um, and instead they abstained and that for example was was one of the, one of the examples where, where the whip was in hand. We don't have that um, and as, as Brian said just a moment ago you know I think the part where councillors kind of had their mouth open was the first time that we had more councillors I myself, Brian and councillor Russell Simpson. And we were voting through people to sit on committees at the first meeting. And myself and Brian voted for completely different people. I voted to support a Liberal and Brian voted to support a Labour. And you saw everyone's faces just kind of open up like, what? This is this is a bit interesting. Um, and, and that happens very, very often um, when, we'd, when we're doing meetings. We'll often vote differently. And, that, and that's the beauty of it. I think that's the beauty of it. Because at the end of the day, what's... An issue in for example Port Solent, let's go back to the, the demographics. What's an issue maybe in Port Solent might not be the same issue that's in Hilsey. So it's very natural that residents feel differently about a topic. And as I said before, because we're independent, we have the we have the duty to represent our residents. Now if, if Hilsey residents want us to vote one way and Paulsgrab residents want us to vote the other way, then our councillors will vote differently. That's fundamentally it. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's it's we can represent the residents whilst at the same time working together to forward the city.
1: So, Chris, you, your perspective, do you, do you feel fully um,
4: as, as As the newbie and still finding, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, I have to take advice off of existing councillors because, you know, I'm still learning the ropes. Um, so from, Brian, George, Russell, they all give me advice, but at the end of the day, my decision is entirely my decision, whether I agree with everybody else or not. That's that's the way we are.
1: Perfect. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Simon. Okay, so um, so how does Grover's award stack up on? Are, are, are on things like infrastructure investment compared to other wards, how does it how, how does it fare? Ian and I both live in both live in a ward that's off of the island, in one of the three wards that's off the island, as is as is Paul's Grove, uh, and we kind of feel a bit like the hard done by kind of ward compared to other parts of the city sometimes. How, do, how does Paul's Grove stack up in those sorts of things?
3: I think this is me, isn't it? And um, without any doubt. I think Pawsgrove feel left behind, and you go to almost any other part of the city, and you, you don't have to look around far to see that we are left behind. I brought this up in council and got involved, heavily involved in a disputes about it. But if you go down to Southsea, tell me the number of bad roads you see. Very few. You go into Pawsgrove and there's not a decent road there. There isn't one. Um, <sighs> Pauls Grove residents do feel very much left behind in this. And it's, it's, it's a shame. We are battling all the time, George, Chris, and myself, um, battling in council, battling in private meetings. The lucky thing is now, which might not be lucky for some, but I'm opposition spokesman on transport and transport is a big problem. You go to Port Solent <clears throat> and you've got Oyster Key, which is the main, area that i'm talking about now a lot of those residents there retired their husband and wife live out their years etc but the husband dies he's a car driver they haven't got cars we have not got a bus service in port solon of any kind whatsoever and these old ladies bless their heart or sometimes old gentlemen but all the people without cars have to walk to southampton road which is a long way from oyster Key. To get the bus into either Fareham or Portsmouth, because you cannot get a bus into Cosham from there. If you want to go to Cosham from Oyster Key, you've got, what is it, a mile and a half up to Alloway Avenue to get a bus. It is so, so wrong. So we're fighting there. But also on the north of uh, Pauls up at the very top, they got a one an hour uh, one bus an hour service, which for a lot of the elderly people up there is simply not enough. Um, Every shopping centre throughout Portsmouth will have benches along there, along the shopping centres, along where all the shops are. We haven't got one along Allaway Avenue, and that's something else which we will categorically will change. We will get benches there. Um, so, yes, Portsmouth, uh, Paulsgrove residents have been left behind, but mark my words, they won't in the future. We will, the three of us together, now we're together. We've got no Conservative or Lib nobody fighting us the three of us together will prove how strong we can be okay
0: cool thank you um did anyone want to come on, on that one or should we move on to the
2: well i mean i just yeah i just very swiftly i mean i think that you know brian is right um the port solent non no public transport ridiculous there's even no taxi rank so when we say there's no public transport in port solent we mean there is no public transport in Portsmouth. Um, you know, it, it is terrible. But as I say, since, we, since we've since we kind of become in councils, look at the parks, let's look at the parks, for example. Um, we managed to get investment to redo a couple of the parks up recently. They've not been done for, for decades. We had no working um, AMPR cameras to catch people fly tipping and graffitiing, and fly tipping was a big issue. We now got three deployable cameras that we can put in different, different places. The youth crime around the Pools Grove Community Centre, Marsden Road. We used to get graffiti, smash windows constantly, day in, day out, all the time. We got fences put up and CCTV cameras put up. Um, we've just approved a green and poly tunnel project for one of the schools so kids can learn how to uh, grow their own vegetables and fruits and things like that and that's gone to the schools. St Michael's church got access to a green in funds where they've built a community garden, the community space. You know, these are all little things that's happened um, in the, in the three years, you know, um, as well as potholes, look at potholes, potholes were not being done in, in Pools Grove, And we had a big, big argument with Colas, and they ended up getting a tape measure out and showing us precisely. So we've now got residents going around with the tape measure. And as soon as they got the tape measure in the pothole and it's just that millimeter over, they send the pictures in, we get the potholes covered. Um, that wasn't being done before so there is lots of things already happening and already being done but as brian said we've got a significant amount to do because the divide is crazy um and i'm sure you guys feel it in caution as well I, I mean i've no disrespect but i do think it's worse in Pools Grove. maybe not in Wimring, which just does fall under um caution and maybe the isle of white estate still is is lacking behind but if you look at the highbury estate and the, and the center of caution it's it's quite nice from a road perspective other than the parking and the traffic um but Equally, I'm sure you feel it as well. Where's our leisure centre up here? Can you tell me a public leisure centre up here? Because they've they've got ones down in the the south of the city. And they're building that brand new Bransbury and Milton one that's that's in Eastney or wherever it is. It's on the border. Um, where's our free to use leisure centre or leisure park? You know, so there is there is still a, a divide.
1: Definitely, and you touched on it in your answer there, George. And um, you know, which is historically, Paulsgrove has not had the best reputation for crime and antisocial behaviour and if i could just ask chris to lead in on this one what what do you see as the reality on the ground there chris uh, uh, with relation to crime and asb
4: yeah i mean there there's no denying the the crime and antisocial behavior problem in Paulsgrove. grove there's no getting around it um which leads on to one of the things that we're going to try and do which is get community wardens back based locally Um, they're missed. And the the residents of Paulsgrove told us time and time again that the wardens are missed. Um, It it may not solve all the problems, but just having a presence there, like, you know, the idea would be to put them and to set them up in the Paulsgrove housing office. And local have them interact. With the residents again, um, I think will help. But there, there is, de- there is no denying that mm. there, there is a antisocial behaviour problem. Um, I grew up on the estates of London, so I know I know what they're like, and I know it's a tough battle. But it's it's the it's the small things trying to get the community back together, and I think one of the big steps of doing that is getting these community wardens back local.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. So, George, we can just ask you that Crime and ASB, is it an improving picture in Poolsgrove, Grove, getting worse or staying the same?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I think one of the fundamental points that we should really point out is, is that when we originally come in as councillors, so before any of us got in, any of them got in, um, Pools Grove was either the top or second position out of all 14 wards in the city, of either the highest youth crime, knife violence, um, antisocial behaviour, serious crime, so on and so forth. We were always ranked number one or two, um, always. Um, it was always between like us and Charles Dickens. Um, and in recent years, that's dropped dramatically. The first thing that we tried to do, um, certainly when I got in originally, was really tackle the youth, the youth crime. I think that was one of the things that we kind of thought, that's quite a little bit easier to tackle and, and one of the things was is is there was nothing really for them to do you know and and we've got a boxing club now in Pools Grove, um that's run by a gentleman called paul that's brilliant and they basically they now hire out the Paulsgrove hall exclusively the Pools Grove community Service hall exclusively and they have kids from tots to teens go there um and box day in day out um and it keeps them busy you know the Pauls Grove Football Club is fantastic and they've got the youth academy obviously and lots of lots of Pauls Grove football youth teams that play on the field it keeps them active and keeps them doing stuff and it keeps them off of being in trouble um so one of the things that say we're, we're happy with is, is youth crime um has actually gone way down I think we last time I checked we were down like 50 odd percent in comparison to pre-covid which whereas I think 11 or 12 of the wards I think it's I think it's 11 or it's either 11 or 12 of the wards have actually increased in youth reports and crimes um whereas obviously we've decreased so that's a really nice a, a nice stat it's moving in the right direction um however as a side note to that and I think it's important that people in Paulsgrove that will be watching this will fully well know that during the summer we had a, a spat of quite violent and quite nasty youth violence in the in the area um however we managed to work with the community wardens which is what chris is mentioning and with the police and kind of stamp it out within a week it was really sorted the police were proactive they went and spoke to the kids the parents they started patrolling the the parks where it was happening um and it worked really well and we stamped it out within a week and that was a really serious problem i mean i don't know if people saw the videos online but this was really bad um and we managed to stamp it out but Chris is right. We need community wardens on site. You know, community wardens. Don't get me wrong. People in Paulsgrove assume that they have no community wardens. We do. We do have community wardens in Paulsgrove, but they're based at the civic offices in in down in the south, mm. and that's wrong. So if there's an incident or a problem or someone needs help from a community warden, they can't access them very easily. Um, equally, we had a problem um, a couple of weeks ago, which people don't even know is a problem, which Brian highlighted earlier, and we had travellers break down a fence, um, and a big fence yeah big iron fence they broke down they took it away with them to scrap it but they broke down a big iron fence um and instead of community wardens being able to get there in like two minutes or three minutes they they i mean don't get me wrong they got there quickly they got there in 40 45 minutes but that 40 45 minutes when it's in relation to a response time it's a long time it's it's a long time for an immediate response um you know and don't get me wrong they did a brilliant job we secured the site um myself and chris drove there my my father, Brian, was on the phone with Colette, which is one of the leads, and he was on the phone to Steve Pitt. Susie Haunter was involved. And we managed to secure the site instantly, quickly, no problem. So no one even knew we had a problem with travellers. No, no one in the public knew that, because as a collective between councillors and wardens, and things, we sorted it. Um, but community wardens would help the situation dramatically.
1: Perfect. Brian, I'll offer you the final word on on Crime and ASB in Paulsgrove. How do you see it?
3: I don't see much of it to be truthful compared with what it was a few years ago. Um, There is that area at the bottom of Marsden Road um, and also around by the football pitch uh, a year or so ago with the dugouts which have been broken down and they're using them as little drug dens and things like that. But uh, also the racecourse lane, which is uh, very scruffy, very dirty, no bins in there, which we've got to try and get sorted but they tend to hang around down at the bottom of Marsden Road. And I think that's where the crime uh, sort of generates from, and it might sort of spread out into Alloway Avenue or other places from there. So I think that's an area that we've got to keep eye on as, as much as we can. Um, but apart from that, I, I think, as George just said, we've improved it no end, and we'll continue to to crack on with it. So, yeah, I'm reasonably happy with the results we got. Brilliant, thank you. we never, we never stamp it out altogether. There's no way, but we're happy with what we're doing and the results that the Pauls Grove people have given us.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Brian, Simon. Okay, so, um, I guess then the the next thing is that I'm asking you to kind of think of what is the what is the thing that's the change or achievement that you're most proud of as as your as your time of councillor. Obviously, um. George and Brian you've had um you've had more t- more time than than Chris. Um so um if I can if I can go to George first um what's um what's your what's your greatest achievement over over the time?
2: You know what? I think I think that it would be very easy for me to roll off an answer off the cuff like, you know, we got security cameras set up in Port Island that that they were trying to get for 10 years and we managed to get the speed cameras sorted. Um we could roll off I could roll off different things, but I think do you know what? I think the thing that I'm most proud of achievement is is getting people out to vote. And I know that sounds really strange. Um, however, it's so important. Democracy is so important, and the right to vote is so important because a lot of societies in the world don't have that luxury. And you guys will know only too well that Paul's Grove used to have one of the lowest turnouts in the city. Um, I think and. Please don't quote me on this. You guys will know better than me. But I think that a lot of the times before our inclusion within politics that we're always, you know, south of the 20 percent area, um, you know, 19s, 18s percents and stuff like that. And I think that I think, you know, certainly the year I stood was it was a, a record turnout outside of a general election, um, which was really nice. And and there's a lot of people now in Paul's a lot of people that are really involved in politics now whether that means from a national scale or a local scale we have a lot of people now that never voted before never cared about politics before now getting involved and coming to meetings and come to speak and and giving us their ideas and their you know what they think would be good for the area and, and and they're more interactive i mean people never one of the famous questions i always used to ask people at the door right because it's a little independent with no party. I used to knock on the door and obviously people are like, why would we vote for you? You won't win, things like that. The question I always used to leave with was, I'll step away from this door if you can tell me the name of all your three councillors. Tell me the name of all three councillors. And honestly, in Paulsgrove, I don't know what it's like in other wards, in Paulsgrove, 95%, 98%, nobody could name all three. I can't even remember one person that did name all three, actually. Uh, some people when, oh, Councillor John Ferret or Councillor Hooper, you know, people knew one maybe but no one knew all three and i would say at least 60 70% didn't know the name of any of them and that i think is my biggest achievement is is the most proud achievement is that people know us now people know our names they know how to reach us they know how to contact us they know we're available they know and that i think is incredibly incredibly important because it means the residents are represented now um, and they feel they've got someone they can go to and they know what they're what they they can come to us to talk about and i think that's the biggest achievement of all
0: Okay, thanks. Uh, Brian?
3: Um, Yeah, young George has stole my thunder a little bit, but the thing I've been most proud of in 18 months is a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call at quarter to four. The gates had been taken down by the travellers and they were lined up wanting to go on the site. They had put a school bus across the entrance so they couldn't get on. They phoned me. I was in a meeting, I phoned George. George was in a meeting, but George said, get hold of Steve Pitt. I tried to find Steve Pitt and he's abroad on holiday. So we got hold of Colette. Colette had already left for home by then, had gone, but I left a message on her answer phone and I come off with of the phone and I went to send her an email. And um, by the time I was typing the email out, she texted me back to say, Fully understand, Brian, I've got wardens on the way. When I, I didn't get out of mind, when George got out of his meeting, he went and picked Chris up, and within an hour, we had two councillors on site and the wardens were on site, within an hour and a half. And that's not just you to me or to George or to Chris, but also to Colette, or, you know, give them their, 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 their due credit. Um, and she done it. And, and within an hour and a half, we was there. We solved the problem. The travelers can't get there again now. So I think that's my proudest achievement there. And again, it's because we were together, because obviously George, independent, me, independence, so I phoned George straight away because I was busy. He was busy, but he put me on the right track. So I phoned them. Then he picked up Chris. And we're at, so we all, all were involved in it. Well, here we were, what meetings we were at. And what was happening uh, steve being abroad we'd done it within an hour and a half and that is without doubt my proudest achievement since uh, being in council
0: okay thanks very much brian chris i know you've had um obviously being elected in may you've you've not had as much time but in that time what would you say is the your proudest achievement so far
4: um, yeah obviously i'm i'm still learning the ropes um i was learning the, all the ropes about i think all the cil fund um, which I knew nothing about beforehand. So for our, um, our listeners, oh, sorry to interrupt, you, mate. So, to... so for
0: our listeners, that's the community infrastructure levy Fund. <laughs> that's the fund that developers pay into, suppose that's meant to be used for to fund um, infrastructure expenditure in in the ward when they when they get planning permission for uh, for development. Sorry to interrupt your flow there, yeah. mate. Sorry.
4: That's all right. Um, and I think one of the greatest things is we provided a poly tunnel for Beacon View School um plus everything that needs to go in a polytunnel so they can grow their own food um teach the children how to grow food and be a little bit more self-sufficient and in these days that's something that everybody needs to learn but um but apart from from that i suppose the, the greatest part and i don't want to blow smoke up the proverbial is working with these two guys so that's that you can't put that's probably
2: again. the nicest thing he's ever said about. <laughs> yeah, this.
4: <it's> just, <laughs> nothing like that will ever happen
2: again.
3: <laughs>
0: and that's going to cost me a oh. yeah. we, we, Well, we, luckily for all of you, we've yeah. we've recorded it, so um, so you're all right. Um, but I mean, to be honest with you, just just actually standing for council and putting yourself out there and actually being willing to put the time and the effort in. Is not something that everybody can uh, is is able to do or feel or, or feels able able to do. So that, that you know, to be honest with you, I'm I'm always amazed at people that just put themselves out there, whether they win or not. At the end of the day, it's there's a, there's a lot that that goes into that that people don't realise it. Oh, uh, I had an ama- I had an amazing well, that, team behind that, me. That so. brings
1: us to our last question. So, uh, again, you know, a lot of people don't. Uh, don't understand what goes on behind closed doors with all the council processes and the meetings and the uh, all that uh, that away from the glamour the fame and the big money of being a local ward councillor so if there's one part of the local council process that you'd you'd want you'd want to change what would that be and can I pose that first to Brian please
3: um to be truthful there's not a lot it's the one thing of Learned, and I certainly didn't understand in my previous 70 years, is that when you want a pothole done over there, why can't you make a phone call and tomorrow they're out doing the potholes, etc, etc. Everything has to, and I understand now, has to take its time and people have to be approached and different companies or different licences or different for all the things that people want. You can't just do it tomorrow which is a shame. And I'd like to, and I always thought you could until I got in there and found out it doesn't work like that. So unfortunately, um, would I like to change it? Yes, I would, but can I, it's impossible to change. It's an impossibility. Um, but for me personally, I just love being in council. I love being, um, going out on the streets and talking to people, et cetera, et cetera. That's not going to change. Um, and that's what I'll concentrate on. And, it doesn't matter whether the wind's blowing your garden fence down. It's important to that little old lady or a little old man or whoever it is. It's very, very important to them. And um, yeah, getting that done is, is, is good. And I like doing that sort of thing. I must be truthful. So I wouldn't change a lot else.
1: Brilliant. Thank thank you, Brian. So Chris, in the, in the six or so months you've been doing it, is there anything um, that you'd want to change about the way the council runs things?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I've spoken to George about this and it, it, b- it baffles me sometimes and it's the, it's the red tape and how long it takes to do things. It's just, it's not something I was prepared for, but I'm, I'm getting used to now, but I understand there's processes that need to be gone through. It's just as somebody who, you know, in my life I've seen a problem, I've sorted a problem. Um, but it's not that easy as a councillor.
1: It doesn't it hasn't given you quite the, the the power you hoped it might. Chris, would that be fair? it's not yet.
4: Yeah, no, it's not. It's nothing to do with power. I'm not. I don't. Yeah, I'm not on a power trip at all. Um, it's just I would like to help. You know the people of ward quicker than um, it's sometimes allows. Okay, thank
1: you, Chris. And George, I will give you the final word on this one. Something about council.
2: Yeah, I think the issue. I mean, first of all, do we pick up on what Chris said beforehand? I think that, you know, yes, obviously there is process we've got to go through, but we forget that we make those processes. So they are they are human-made processes. We, we decide that we have to put all this red tape up and we decide about things. And it is so frustrating. It's one of the things I struggle with. I come from a corporate background where my boss went, right, do this, and the next day you do it. Um, and it's something that I'll always struggle with. It's And... It's difficult to get that across to the residents, which obviously reflects on what Brian and Chris both said. It's, it's residents don't understand why things take so long. And for us, we can kick and scream and there's nothing we can do. We're completely on the resident side always. You know, we're there to represent the residents. So I understand that. Um, but we just can't do it sometimes. In relation to the thing I would change, um, and I'm actually going to say two things, which I know is against the question, but I think they're two important things to, to bring up, actually. Um, one is how finances work so for example if money is ring fenced for one topic it can't be just changed to another topic because we want it to or we don't think the money's being well spent i mean i think let's look at we've recently we've we've ring fenced twelve and a half thousand pounds in total for a muriel project you know across a wall where they you know they've been doing across portsmouth all across portsmouth the the graffiti and the wall art now we've got that for paul's grub as well we held off on it because they wanted to put loads of birds and stuff on a wall which in my opinion was completely irrelevant to paul's grove and was going to get graffiti so we stopped it and we said no we're not supporting it stop don't do it basically um however we we are happy for you to do it just we need to agree on something so we've now got the ability and this hasn't actually been released yet so it's a bit of an exclusive and they'll probably slap my hand for it but we've got the ability now to um the residents are going to be asked what they want on the wall how they want it to look they will get to decide the final design so paul's Grove, to decide that now some residents have then obviously questioned, well, what a waste of money, you know, why is this not being spent on roads or potholes or this or that, blah, blah, blah. It can't be. If we turn around and say, we don't want to spend that twelve and a half thousand and a on the mural, it just goes back in the pot and someone else gets it in a different ward. So it's either we, we get it or we simply don't get it. There's, it doesn't then go, oh, well, it goes now into a pot and you can now spend on other things. That's not how it works. Everyone's got their budgets. Every department has their budgets, every scheme has their budgets, and they can't be across the you know they can't easily be moved across um, and sometimes it's impossible to move them across so that's the first thing i'll change is the ability to move budgets as and where councillors and cabinet members see fit that i think that would be a good change because i do agree that the council sometimes waste money on things that aren't important to the ward specifically and if we could move those funds to a different department then i think that would be really beneficial so that's the first thing i would change and the second thing i would change and this is more of a whimsical one is the rubbish full council meetings where politicians decide to take swipes at each other for pantomime purposes. Now, I'm telling you now that Simon Bocher and Gerald Vernon Jackson, you would think they hate each other within an inch mile because they continuously hammer each other non-stop when the camera's on. And when the camera's off, they're shaking hands and they're Now, I'm not saying they're the best of some mates, but what I'm saying is, is that all councillors in that chamber, well, certainly not us, we try to avoid it at all costs, and it's something that we always... Don't get me wrong, sometimes they say stuff to wind us up on purpose, and a few of us will have a little bite back. But you will never see us starting that pantomime stuff. And and a lot of councillors don't like it, but I'm sure by Ian Smile and Simon Smile, we all know there's some councillors that love a bit of the pantomime drama. And that's the part I would I would really get rid of. And it happens nationally as well, as you know, in Parliament. Um, it's not effective. It's not appropriate. It's it nothing. You don't gain anything from it. And literally, when I'm telling you, when those cameras go off, almost everyone is the bestest of mates. Honestly, they all talk. We all go to the Lord Mayor's parlour. We have a tea. We share some snacks. We have a laugh. No one hates each other. So I think we need to stamp try and stamp that out somehow. I know they do it for political points in, but I don't think from an outsider you guys get it because you've been in politics for a while, whether commenting on it or being involved or being members of political parties, you guys get it. But I think the general resident that will view in once every now and then or kind of think they don't understand. They think that there's this burning hatred um, and that it's a joke. And they probably think, oh, what a joke these guys are, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's not like that. So that's the thing I would, like to see change is that everyone's just a bit friendly to each other on camera but i don't think that will ever
1: happen well i think that's that's perfect uh george and th- thank you all for your contribution so uh um we will be following the full council meeting i think the sunday after next is our show on that so we will we will watch very closely and make sure that uh that uh, the, the Portsmouth independence behaviour is of the highest calibre and are setting the standard. We will try. Chris,
2: is, Chris has got his maiden speech as well. So Chris oh, is doing his maiden brilliant. speech. Brilliant.
1: So, so yeah, no, that's been brilliant. So thank you everybody for your contribution. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny-Morris.
0: And our guests have been
3: Councillor George Madgwick. And Councillor Brian Madgwick. Councillor Chris Dyke.
0: Perfect. And I've been Simon Sandsbury. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast.
2: Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music.
0: Alexa,
2: stop. See?
0: It's easy.